So there's three guys in there on vacation. They're driving through the desert and their car breaks down. They get out and they look under the hood and they find out that the engine block is cracked. And oh my goodness, we're going to have to go get help. We'll go separate directions and we'll meet back at the car. And they thought, well, I wonder if there's any provisions for us walking out in the desert. So they look in the trunk and there was a jug of water and a loaf of bread. And the first guy just grabbed the water right away. He says, I'm going this direction and I might get thirsty. And he takes the water and off he goes. Well, the second guy grabs the bread right away and he heads off. I'll go this direction. I'll meet you back later, but I might get hungry. So I'm taking the bread. Well, the third guy's standing there and there's nothing left in the trunk. And what's he going to take? And so he takes the door off the car and he's dragging it through the desert. Well, a couple hours later, there's a soldier out on patrol and he sees the first guy. And he comes up to him and says, are you all right, sir? And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he explains the whole situation. And he says, man, am I glad I had this water because I got thirsty out here. And so the soldier sends him in the right direction so that he'll be safe. And he says, I'll go find your friends. Well, he goes and he finds the second guy. Same thing. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. He said, I had bread. I got really hungry out here and I was doing okay. And he said, okay, well, and he told him where to head off. He said, I'll go find your other friend. So he's going and he finds the third guy. But this soldier's confused and he looks at him and he goes, I don't understand. Why are you dragging this car door with you? He says, what do you mean? It's hot out here. I had to roll the window down to cool off. So it's either funny or not funny, but it's a great lead into the fact that it's interesting what we have, what we deem necessary to carry with us. What are the provisions we have? Where do they come from? And how are we going to use those Well, our sermon series that we're in right now started off on Ash Wednesday, and we're calling it the majesty of God. And we're looking at this this authority, this power, this sovereignty that God has, the grace that he has. And we've looked at the wonders of God's love and the wonders of God's presence and the wonders of of God's uh, transforming power in our lives. If you've missed any of those messages, go to RoyRed.org look them up, watch them, get connected to what that message is leading to. But today we're going to look at the wonders of God's provision. Now, provision is kind of a strange word. I don't think we use it often. And so I looked it up in the dictionary and it says giving provisions is the act or process of providing or supplying something for use. And then it goes on to say supply with food or drink or equipment, especially for a journey. Now, when I think of provision, my mind wanders off to my son. He loves to go backpacking. Heaven only knows why, but he does. And and he goes with his church group, and they go for days carrying all the provisions they're going to need in their backpack. And I don't get it. I don't have to get it, but I don't get it. I put my stuff in the trunk of my car, and I drive to my destination, and I eat at a restaurant, and I stay in a hotel. But anyway, they love to do this. But the point being is they have to bring all the provisions they're going to need for days, and yet they can't carry too much because they need to carry it as they're hiking all through the woods or the forest, wherever they are. And so they have to take their food and their water and their shelter and sleeping bags And to add to it, my son, he even has to take a lot of ginger ale along with him. So thinking, man, that's got to be heavy to carry. But all of us are on a journey as well, but it's the journey of life. And we have provisions that we need to take to get through this journey of life. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that statement, but, but where do you get your provisions from? What's the overarching purpose for all that you have been blessed with? 
when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I was an engineering major. I bought into the whole science and evolution, big bang, no intelligent design, and somehow some gases that never existed existed. They blew up, and there's a chaos of an explosion, and a universe came out of there. It makes no sense, really. This little one-cell amoeba wanted to be a two, a four, an eight, and then says, hey, let's grow some legs so we can walk on the ground and we got ducks and frogs and goats and you and me. No purpose, no direction. It's kind of a strange thing, but I actually believed it. And that theory says, grab all the gusto you can get. It's all about you and what you can accumulate for you. And you hoard it and you keep it and you feel good about what you have. And that makes no sense. And that's why the truth is what the Bible says. God handmade everything. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created it, and it's all his, and yet out of love, he shares it with us. He gives it to us to use, and that's pretty awesome. And so there's a couple of, there's a verse I want to share a couple translations for you because it talks about this. Philippians 4.19 is our verse. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus And then if we look at it in the message translation, it says you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. And then the same verse in the New Living Translation, the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Think about it. God's not giving you the scraps. He's not giving you leftovers. He promises to supply all your needs according to his riches, according to the fact that it's all his stuff because he handmade it all. And we remember that story where we know that Abraham, go up to Moriah, take your son and make a sacrifice. Can you imagine that? I mean, trying to figure this out, what's going to happen? And yet in faith, he went. And if God did not want him to sacrifice his son, where would the provision come from? And as we heard earlier in in Genesis 22, Abraham looked in there in a thicket, just by coincidence or God incidence, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so we read on that Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Abraham was thankful that God provided for him. And the name of God in this particular situation is Yahweh Jireh. It means the Lord will provide. Jireh means to see or to provide. And Abraham could see that. And we can see that it's the God who provides for us. Every single day of my life, 365 days a year, my very first thing I say is thank you, God. I just thank him. Thank him for a good night's sleep. Thank him for my physical abilities, for my my relationships, for my faith for all the things that I have. Because as we just read in Philippians 4.19, it all came from God. And so we got to start with that fact that God's provisions will meet all your needs. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to have a million dollar house by the lake. Doesn't mean you're going to have a Rolls Royce, but he will provide everything you need. He's going to give you rest and direction and peace and comfort. He's going to give you skills and interests and abilities. And he's going to meet your spiritual needs. See, we were dead in sin, and yet God provided for us. Salvation comes from Jesus, who came for you. 
far too many to point to each of you, but he came for you. He shed his blood for you so that you can have eternal life. God created paradise, and, and, and this story always baffles me. He created paradise, and he put man in there to enjoy it, and then he put woman in there so that man would have a helper with them, and then what do they do? They turn their back on God, say, no thanks. And yet, if we're honest, we do the same thing. But in unconditional love, God provided the way out. He gave us our spiritual journey through the faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You can't earn it. You certainly don't deserve it. It's a free gift from God. Romans 6 says that the wage of sin is death. Yuck, pretty awful, right? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God will meet all of your spiritual needs. Baptism, he adopts you into the family. He sends the Holy Spirit into your life so that you can believe, so that you can trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins, and he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. He also meets our spiritual needs right now, right here. His family, his church, brothers and sisters coming together to spiritually grow, to connect, to encourage, to support, and to get help. So is spiritual blessings all that God gives us? Is that the only provisions? Well, no, we see that God will also meet our physical needs. Uh, he's going to provide for what you need for life. And we don't need to worry whether he's going to do that. We see in Matthew 6, don't worry saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? Pagans run after these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. See, God created the universe, and he provides food for every living creature, including you and me. The same God that has food for the animals is going to make sure you have what you need for your physical needs. Psalm 145 says, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of all living things. I think we confuse the fact. I think we start to think it's all about my job, my money. I go to my grocery store, and that's where I get my stuff from. It's not. It starts with God blessing us. And there's these common mercies, these, these things that we take for granted and don't think about. But you're going to think about them when you go home today. How about things like soap, toothpaste, fruit, candy bars, shirts, sweaters, how about cars and bicycles, electricity and heat and sunrises and sunset? It's all from God because it's all God's in the first place. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And we know this and we pray it in the Lord's Prayer all the time, right? With four, the fifth pet petition where we say, give us this day our daily bread. If you haven't looked at the small catechism, you ought to. It's pretty neat. When it addresses this, it says, well, what does this mean? And then it says, God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to evil people. Interesting. But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. So what does that mean? What's daily bread? Well, I'd like you to read this with me. Read, read together. What is meant by daily bread? 
Daily bread includes everything that has to do with the support and needs of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, and the like, because the list goes on and on and on. Think about this generous God that gives us all these. Now, some of you out there might have read that and said, "Hmm, I'm not so sure of that. Maybe you've gotten yourself in a tough place physically or financially or emotionally or even spiritually, and you're saying, where's God now? You read that. Where was he in my life? Well, first of all, I feel my heart breaks for you. Second of all, so does God, and he promises to be with you in that journey. Isaiah 41 says, do not fear. Why? I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Ask God if you're in that situation. Reveal to me the next steps. Let me count my blessings and figure out how to work my way through this with you helping me, Lord. And he will provide for your need at exactly the right time. Not a moment earlier, not a moment later. His provisions will be given to you to accomplish his purpose and his will. I saw this quote. I wanted to share it with you because it's kind of intriguing. It says, Jesus teaches that living in God's kingdom means looking to God rather than human effort as the ultimate source of things you need in life. But here it says, labor's not optional, but neither is it absolute. We are meant to depend on God for provision, meaning that we should look to him to provide for us. And here's the key, especially when our own means seem inadequate. Think about that. 5,000 men and their families, and Jesus says, hey, bring me a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, and I'll feed them all. They couldn't take care of that themselves, but God provided when they couldn't. And don't forget, in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It's not give it all to me. It's give it to us so that we can support and encourage and help each other. Things like food pantries and clothing drives and helping hand funds. So God will provide for you spiritually, physically, and emotionally. He'll meet your emotional needs. When you were handmade by God, he poured in every emotion known to man. We all have the emotions in us. Joy, sadness, anger, peace, grief, surprise, fear, compassion, thankfulness. And we like the really nice ones, right? And yet we know that we grow closer to God and he does his best work through some of those negative emotions. And he said in the midst of those I'm going to give you peace. John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Only God can help you work through the negative emotions in life to accomplish his peace. And of course, the greatest emotion of all is love, which he modeled perfectly on a cross for you and me, and then challenged us to go out and to be able to do the same, to share and bring peace into the lives of other people. We read that in Matthew 22. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. That makes sense. But then the second part, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm, Love, the emotion of love 
is there for us to use not only for our well-being, but for other people as well. And I got to tell you, emotions are always meant to lead to action. And the action should always be an action that glorifies God. We do a service of remembrance every year here for people who've lost loved ones. And there's this poem that we read. It's a prayer that we read. And I thought I'd share it with you because talking about emotions, it fits so well. It says, Lord, give me enough tears to keep me human, enough humor to keep me wise, enough setbacks to keep me humble, enough accomplishments to keep me confident, enough patience to teach me waiting, enough friends to give me love, enough memories to comfort me, and enough faith to keep me going. God will provide for you emotionally. He's also going to provide for you relationally. Uh, think about this for a minute. God made paradise. He put Adam in and says, it's Disney World. Enjoy it. 24-7, it's awesome. No problems here at all. And then just a couple verses later in verse 18, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. Man is made for community. And that community looks very different for every one of us here. Some community is a husband and wife or parents and children or grandchildren and their grandpas, uh, neighbors, coworkers, church families, and on and on. And I know that many of you struggle in the area of relationships. You're looking for a certain relationship or you're craving healthy relationships. And all I can tell you is that God brings people into your life at the right moment to accomplish his purposes on the journey he's called for you. But we also know that Adam and Eve had very toxic relationship. And we know that we have toxic relationships in our lives and it frustrates us and upsets us. And yet you got the greatest relationship of all and that's with Jesus Christ. Unconditional love. Someone who will meet all of your needs. So God provides for us spiritually, physically, emotionally, and relationally. The question is, why does he do that for you? Love. He loves you. He loves you crazy love. He, he loves you unconditionally. He wants you to be his children. Why is he so generous with all that? Why do we all have different types of provisions given to us? Well, God will provide so that we can accomplish his plans. He knows you better than you, he know, than you know you. He knows you better than, than you even dream of. He's got great plans for you. It's like a giant puzzle pieces. We're all puzzle pieces. He's putting this masterpiece together. And your plans are special. In Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Just like my son backpacking, we're on a journey of life and we need to keep our provisions with us, the ones that God has given to us. We may have a 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 year journey and yet God will give it to you. Do you trust him to provide for you is the big question. A letter comes to the post office. It's handwritten. You can see it's by a child and it's addressed to God. That's all it says. And so the postal employee doesn't know what to do with it. So open it up and read it. And it says, dear God, my name's Jimmy. I'm six years old. My father's dead. My mother's having a hard time raising me and my sister. Would you please send $500 to help with our bills? Love, Jimmy. 
well, this postal employee, what am I supposed to do with this? He starts sharing it with other postal employees. Next thing you know, he's got $10, $20. He comes up with $300 to help this kid, and they mail it to that address that was on the envelope. A couple weeks later, another letter from Jimmy comes. Same handwriting, addressed to God. Dear God, thanks for that money. But next time, would you deliver it to the house? Somehow the postal office lost 200 of the dollars. As funny as that sounds, think about the expectancy of Jimmy. He prayed to God and he expected God to answer his prayer and to give him, in this case, what he needed, $300 to pay the bills. The question is the same for you. Are you content with and a good uh, steward of God's provisions he gives you? This is the point of the message here. We are all blessed. Do we use it to God's glory? We see in 1 Corinthians 10, whether you're eating or drinking or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So this is getting personal now for you. What do you think? Do you use the provisions God's given you to his glory? What provisions are you maybe a poor steward with? Which ones do you maybe uh, not, maybe you take for granted or maybe even abuse them? Well, think about it. How about your time? How about your talents? How about your money and your stuff? How about your body? Look at your calendar sometime and assess this question. Am I a good steward of the time that God has given to me? Look at your checkbook or your savings account. Am I a good steward with the finances that God's blessed me with? Look at your job relationships. Look at your family relationships. First Peter would tell us each of you should use whatever the gift that you've received to serve others. Faithful servants of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, do so as one who speaks the very word of God. If anyone serves, do so with the strength God provides. That in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And then one more point to talk about or thought here. I want you to think about this. So if you acknowledge you have everything you need for your journey, and you acknowledge that it all came from God, how do you thank him? How do you thank God for the provisions he's blessed you with? Well, first of all, it starts by acknowledging those came from him. And then secondly, being a good steward of the gifts that he's given to you. But listen to this job description. This verse always just jumps into my mind. It's in Micah. What does God require of you? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. God's provided for you. (coughs) Excuse me. God's provided for your needs, for the journey that you're on. If you cherish those, if you use those to God's glory, that's how you thank him. And then God wants to use you to bless other people who have needs as well. Matthew 25 has a a section that we're familiar with, but it ties so well to this message. It's called the sheeps and the goats. It says, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared since the creation of the world. And then we were familiar with this. If I'm hungry, you gave me something to eat. I'm thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I'm a stranger, you invited me in. I need to close and you clothe me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. In other words, the provisions have been pouring in. The righteous are going to say, Lord, 
When did I see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did I see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did I see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will say, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. God provides for you for all your needs and then challenges, encourages, and equips you to then help other people with it, to use them and let God get the glory for them. Remember, you are blessed to be a blessing. A few action steps as we go out into the week. Are you ready to say, I will take time to assess how blessed I am? Take some time, maybe later today. Take a half hour and just try, make a list. All the blessings you have in your life. Don't put all the negative stuff. What are you blessed with? Don't compare yourself to other people. What has God given to you? Number two, are you ready to say, I'm going to thank God for being the giver of all my blessings? In other words, I'm not going to take the credit for it. I'm going to say, Lord, thank you that you gave me the abilities and, and, and you gave me the faith and you gave me the relationships that I'm in. And then finally, are you ready to say, I'll use my provisions to God's glory. Think God's good with your stewarding spiritually, with your faith physically, with what you have emotionally, with your relationships. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. You love us unconditionally, and you provide everything we need. You even give us more than we need. You provide for our wants as well. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be good stewards of what you have and to use those, not only to your glory, but to help those who are in need. We pray it in your name, Lord. Amen.